Hey there, everybody. Thank you once again for stopping by Todd Versace presented by TLC. We are so humbled today to have somebody that I consider to be a hero of mine, a, a friend, a guy that's heart is, is as big as this country is. Please, everybody, give it up. Hang out with us today for my friend, the president of the Environmental Working Group, Mr. Ken Cook. Welcome, my brother. Welcome. Hey, great to be here. Great to see you. I wish we were in person. I miss, miss those times. But I, I do, We'll too, get back man. to it. We will. We'll back we it. will. We, you know, I am I am such a huge fan of yours and have been so blessed and honored to be on boards with you and to spend time with you personally to get to know you. But more importantly, to um, know you from your heart and who you are as a person and why EWG exists and why it's important. And to me, it is it is just been so uplifting to be in your presence. And I'm a fanboy. call me what you want. But this is one of the most exciting conversations that I've had to date, just because it just, you've touched me in so many ways. And you've taught me so much. You've taught me to look and to listen, and to think deeper, as a person as a citizen of this planet, and that I'm indebted to you for. And so before I get going, and I give you my thank yous and my fanboy, I wanted to share something uh, as I was prepping for this today. That, that hit me and struck me very passionately about you. And it's a quote from Teddy Roosevelt that says, knowing what's right doesn't mean much unless you do what's right. And I think that is exactly who you are and exactly what EWG is. So from the bottom of my heart, before I screw this up in this interview, I want to thank you for being here. <laughs> well, right back at you, Todd, as you know. And we, I was, I've, when we first started talking about doing this, I was thinking, now we go back to... We go back a ways. A ways, yeah, and um, and likewise, I can't I can't count the number of times where you know I've uh, I've turned to you for your insights about an industry that um, that I'm very dedicated to, but I'm not on the inside of, haven't come up in nearly the way you have. Uh, so to me, uh, uh, one of the most rewarding things about our friendship over the years has been that window that I get uh, the, and the truth telling I get uh, from you about, you know, what's going on in, uh, in the world that you've uh, had such an important role in shaping, which is the, the emergence of this insanely exciting organic industry. Uh, organic it is indeed. In particular. Oh my gosh. I mean, from when, I mean, even during the course of how, how however long, 15 years, 20 years, we've We've been yeah. uh, in one another's lives. Um, it's unrecognizably different and bigger oh. and exciting. And I just feel like the environmental movement, not to start off with my sermon, but I Go. really feel like uh, something really big has changed and organic was at the forefront. Uh, organic generally, but certainly organic produce, organic food. And that is this, that... 20 years ago, in a way, uh, environmentalists were always against things. We didn't, we didn't comfortably, confidently point to an alternative way of going about right. things that embodied all the solutions to the problems we were nagging everybody about. Right. We have our naggy moments. Um, organic, when that came on, the same is happening now with energy. I like to, I see it in cosmetics. I see it in other sectors. We can really say now that what we're fighting for as environmentalists is as important as what we've been fighting against. We're, we're seeing now an alternative future and organic. I don't know what 
billion we're up to now. It's north of 50 billion, right? As Six, a 62, 62, 62, right? I mean, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, we used to joke that, you know, if, if you if you wanted organic produce and you found it in a in a, a co-op somewhere, you, you sometimes didn't know if that produce had been harvested or if it had escaped. And, yeah. and, and, and Phil Landrigan, you know, his famous line, organic is private school for food. Now, mm-hmm. it's still not as widely available and for some people as affordable as we would like, but what a change that's happened. This has changed environmentalism. Oh, yeah. And I think it has changed the, the dynamics and the challenge of the conventional sectors, whether it's in energy, food, personal care products, cleaning products. There's now this sort of vanguard that's gone beyond just the sort of uh, experimental or limited case study kind of thing to, hey, this is the real deal. You can buy organic potatoes in every, almost every grocery store in the country and organic yeah. carrots and organic other products. That wasn't the case. So growing this industry up to me is, is all about changing this dynamic moving environmentalists into an area that may not be as comfortable, which is searching for solutions, being constructive, helping build something instead of just saying, stop, no, slow it down, which is, was our posture at the very beginning. And I think it had to be, but yeah. now it's, it's, a, it's a very dynamic time. I I'm so I make, so, and, and you're one of the people I think of a lot of my uh, friends in the organic world, but you're one of them. I think of as, you know, leading the way, making stuff happen when everyone said that, you know what, Todd, that can't, that's not going to work. You just can't, you just can't grow that organically. You can't mm-hmm. sell it organically. You can't price it in a way that people will buy it. Well, we did. did. Yeah. And you know, I'll tell you in the beginning we begged, right. Uh, we had to get through that stigma to what you said, you know, every apple had a worm and, and uh, yeah. people couldn't spell kabocha squash if they tried. And it was a real, real challenge to find yeah. shelf space. But I'll tell you, there was a passionate group of people um, before me and after me, even that, that, that have worked diligently to try to open the eyes. And, and, and I'm excited about our conversation because we're going to get into produce today. We're going to talk about it. I'm, we're going to, you and I are going to go, and and get into the dirty dozen and why and ifs and how, and I'm going to share with you because I sat, you know, because I was in my desk when that list came out, I had stuff in the cold storages on that list. And I learned from that, that experience a lot. And it taught me a lot. I think that gave me perspective today to be much more open-minded, um, than I was at that time. And, and you're right. This is a journey that we've all been on. And our path is amazing because it keeps coming back closer and closer together. But we are changing the world, surely, but slowly. And EWG has been a big part of that. And I don't think people Thanks. and I hope by the time we're done in our conversation, I hope people realize who you guys really are and what you guys are really about, because you you're doing such amazing. You're doing you're doing more. You got more shit going on that I can pay attention to. I mean, you're all over the place fighting every kind of fight. And I love that. And that's why I look at that quote from Roosevelt when it came up and it hit me. It's like it's so beautiful because you are doing what's right in so many different fronts. So I'd like to just get people up to speed with you yourself, because, you know, Again, you are so committed to this. You're you're a co-founder of this. You've been fighting this fight for a, what, a long time with EWG, and you've had a lot of fights. And I know you've been criticized and you've been praised, and you've probably been some things that nobody's even, you probably don't want to talk about. Um, but you show up and you don't back down. And I mean, that takes a lot of character, which is why you inspire me. Um, and again, I just don't think people realize how much EWG is, is done to help the planet, but more importantly, too, how much they've done to help people. Right. And I think that's just so important. So can you share a little bit of your journey of what sparked you to yeah, wake up sure. one day and go, hey, let's go kick some ass? 
This episode of Toddversations is brought to you by Vitalis Organic Seeds. Organic seed for organic food. Learn more about their commitment to organic seed production and R&D at usa.vitalisorganic.com. Yeah, you know, um, you know, just just going way back, I I I grew up in the suburbs of St. Louis, but on my dad's side, although he died when I was quite young, I spent a lot of time on my uncle's farms. Uh, they were cow calf operations uh, in southern Missouri, uh, south central Missouri, and um, I just loved it. I and I, you know, would go down there and as a uh, sort of a city kid was in awe of the workload right. and the nonstop nature of it and the diversity of it, everything from managing, uh, you know, the, the, the day-to-day chores to, you know, how do you deal with a tractor that's broken? How do you, you know, what do you do at, at, at slaughter time? I just, I just loved it. Um, and I, I really wish my dad had been around to tell me to live through that experience with me, but I had uncles and cousins that, mm-hmm that filled that role. So there was an agriculture part of me, very different from any of the suburban kids I grew up with. Right. They just didn't have that. Um, and that was a time, you know, I, uh, that was the, the fifties and, um, you know, the, that generation had left the farm and there was not much connection to it, there, but there right. was for me. Um, and so when I went to college, uh, I was interested in the environment in high school. This was in the, you know, the, the mid sixties. And when I went to college, I just found a way to pursue environmental matters. And I was drawn to the nexus between the environment and agriculture from right. that background. And, right. um, and so uh, I got, you know, went to uh, school at the university of Missouri, got my bachelor's in history and other bachelor's in, uh, in uh, agriculture, and then a master's degree in soil science. And then I, I thought, well, how do I apply this to the environmental issues that have, have really grabbed my imagination? And I started working on policy issues, came to Washington, got a job, a series of jobs that, that really taught me about the agricultural subsidy system, taught me about how pesticides were regulated, taught me about uh, nutrition labeling and all sorts of things. I'm not an expert in all of those areas, but but I, you know, over time building up EWG, which is now 28 years old, we started hiring that that expertise because right. the issues were compelling to me. So our view was we wanted to be a think a think tank that could throw a punch. We didn't want to just do reports and studies and so forth and have them sit there. We wanted to be relevant to the debate. So we we posed that extra burden on on our staff, you know, uh, let's 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 find information that's that's out there maybe it's hidden in a government database like mm-hmm. the information we first started uh, utilizing to develop our work on pesticides or right. our farm subsidy database let's hire people database managers scientists a little different makeup of staff than most environmental groups and we're we're quite quite different now um, to to investigate those things with sort of a I guess a journalistic feel to it, investigative feel. That's, I think, what, what environmentalists often have in common with journalists. It's not a bias. It's that we pick up rocks and look and see what's underneath them, Todd. Right. And when you look, you say, well, what, what's that about? How'd that get there? What's going on? So at EWG, my, my journey has been to have the privilege, and it's definitely a privilege of being able to hire a diverse range of people we have support from foundations, support mm-hmm. from online, 
Um, we're about a, right now we're about a 13 and a half, $14 million annual organization, about 70 people. Uh, wow. We've got, we've got, um, you know, a, a complement of probably, oh, I'm going to say maybe a total of 18 to 20 scientists. A number of them are PhDs. A lot, a lot of them are master's level, bachelor's level, uh, toxicologists, chemists, immunologists, um, you know, people with backgrounds, subject wise in, in pesticides, toxic chemicals, uh, nutrition, and so forth. And the, you know, the organization we've built is, is designed now to reach directly to consumers as well as to policymakers. Right. Uh, it's designed to go through the media, what's left of it, which is a big topic, right? Because the media ain't what it was for far, no, far from it. Um, and it's also designed for us as I, we opened up, we're really seeing ourselves as uh, positioned to advanced solutions. Um, and so Love we it. have a certification program for personal care products. Uh, we certainly make the case uh, wherever, whenever we can to advance organics. We think it's a, you know, we think it's the future. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and we certainly make the case whenever we can tighten standards for drinking water, air, uh, you know, soil, whatever, so right. that what science has tells us is safe is and what is legal come closer together because that's not the case right now. What's legal isn't right. always safe. So no. that in a nutshell, that's our journey. And um, organic's it. been a huge part of it, man. I mean, we lobbied and I'll uh, let me tell one, one war Go. story. There'll probably be a bunch. So the Go 1990 on. farm bill, the 1990 farm bill. Um, I was working, that was my second big farm bill, and we had a big coalition working on stuff. And, and there was one issue that was kind of hanging out there, which was the, the National Organic Standards Act. Right. And this was Pat Leahy's baby. You had Kathleen on earlier this week. She was my, my bud. I first got to know Kathleen when she worked for Senator Leahy, during, Leahy. In, in 1989 and 1990. Yes, yeah. Senator Leahy from Vermont, the father of, of, of organic in the Senate. And, um, and so... When the debate, as the debate advanced, Leahy had everything set in, and ready to go because he was the chairman of the Agriculture Committee. So he had that organic stuff in there and nobody was going to pull it out. But we have this, this uh, you know, bicameral legislative process in our country. And the House was not so interested in Good. Pat Leahy's Vermont pet thing, right? right. Uh, this, this crazy notion that we'd have a national organic standard that suggested there was something wrong with conventional, all kinds of arguments against it. Well, it fell to a small group of us to get the House to support the same legislation that was in Senate bill. And we did that by going to the floor of the House of Representatives um, with a, a small group of, of people and lobbying and winning, defeating the House Agriculture Committee and getting Leahy's bill passed over their objections by the full House. That was my first exposure to a big policy fight around organic. And it was one of the right. high points in my career. Um, uh, and um, I'm, I'm blanking on Tom's last name, but I'm going to figure it out before the end of this call. He was the guy. We hired Tom to come in and and rally organic farmers because there was no real 
trade association of any scale no. then, but Roger Blowbaum was instrumental and yeah. all kinds of leaders during that time. I'm really embarrassed. I'm not coming up with Tom's name, um, but I'm 70. So what the fuck? Um, That's fine. And, right. And so, but Tom did it. And so that was when I really got the idea that organic then just kind of a, a rounding error in the food economy, if that mm -hmm. was, was, a, was a future path. And we tried to stick with it as best we could. We, I think amongst environmental groups, I think I like to think we're second to none in our support for the organic industry. Uh, we've we've been there all along and uh, plan to be there. We're proud members of OTA. Uh, we, we're just we're all in. We have our disagreements with some folks in the organic uh, continuum. If we were a family, why wouldn't we have disagreements? But that's the, but that's that's sort of the genesis of how some of that early thinking and, um, and, and work came to a focus point with organic because we didn't want Leahy's, Leahy to get negotiated uh, down to a study, which was right. what the house strategy was. Leahy's got a strong position in there. We've got no position. Let's go into the house Senate conference and whittle him down to just do another study on organic. Well, we did the study in 1980. We didn't need another one. What we needed was federal standard. So yeah, anyway, that was the that's 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 the war story. I I'm, love it. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. I'm, I'm while we'll we're talking, it. I'm going to look on Tom. Yeah, I'm going to look up Tom's last name. We'll get just, it. You know, it's that's fine. Your but you, art, but but I, that that first victory like that, to your point earlier, had to be pretty rewarding. And I'm sure that was probably oh. the, the shot of adrenaline that just pumped you up to say we're onto something. And and but I would think that seeing the process probably motivated you more in some ways than the actual outcome because you knew what you were fighting and you knew how much work was ahead of you to really implement change. So to me, I think that would be down in your fight belly a little bit. To, to, oh no, totally. I mean, uh, you know, we've been in every farm bill uh, debate ever since yeah. in, in a pretty significant way. And um, there, there are so many great advocates for organic. Now we take a back seat to so many of them who are out there fighting away, but we're always there in support. And, and to be honest, um, you know, it, it's, it's, let me put it this way. If we were relying on just policy change to propel us ahead, while we'd be, we'd be in, you know, we, we'd be in the would. deep in the, you know, in, in the, in the manure pit. We um, would be. But, but we don't, we, we have an industry that has sprung up and, and embraced self-regulation Mm -hmm. uh, and organic regulation to a degree that far exceeds conventional because you have to play by all those rules plus organic. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't happen very often uh, in other sectors. And no. what, that has really introduced me to people who have taken a different path. You're one of them. You know, you, you, you're steeped in lots of policy issues, but you made your career in the private sector. And it didn't occur to me until I really got to know people in the organic world. And it's people like, like you and Gary Hirschberg and George Seaman and, and Teresa Marquez and hundreds of others I've gotten to know, the, you know, the Berliner family at Amy's. You didn't, you didn't come to, you know, to Washington and do a nonprofit gig. You, you were going to make it happen in the real world with, with the private sector. And meeting people like you at that point in my career was as important as the organic fight itself. It was like, the, you can't tell these people no. 
you know, Andy Berliner is going to, he's going to start organic uh, in a, as a major presence. It's like 90 plus percent of his food at, in Amy's kitchen yeah. is organic. He's just going to do it. Yeah. And the more you tell him he can't do it, the more skews he's going to add. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the, that's the dynamic now that wasn't there in 1990. It was all us versus conventional agriculture. Now it's sort right. of like, whoa, if, if conventional agriculture was right all along, and this is so impossible and implausible and so meaningless to do, how come we have a $60 billion industry now? Well, 100%, 100% agree. And it was a very, you know, look, you fought it. I fought it. It was an uphill battle for a very long time. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I talked about this the other day. I mean, I remember the 60 Minutes art story about Alwar and how that just flipped the light switch on. And all of a sudden, you know, people couldn't even say, you know, they thought organic was some Italian word associated with something. They had no idea what it meant. And all yeah. of a sudden they're like, well, we've got to get a part of this. What do you mean? My kids, this, that. So that really helped them in a lot of ways of being able to open up some doors and at least get the attention. I think that's the hardest part. We never really got anybody's attention, you know, and I think that's something you probably felt the same way when you're dealing with policy is that. People yeah. just didn't give a shit. They had their own agendas and yours was so, this was such a small agenda at the time that nobody really rallied around it. Now, all of a sudden, to your point, we're 62 billion. We're drastically underfunded at 62 billion. Oh, by the way, yeah. I'll say that out loud. Um, sure. Well, we are making positive changes. And I think one of the biggest things that organic has done, in my opinion, is that we have never backed down or been afraid of a conversation. We may not like the person at the other end, but at least we're willing to have the conversation. Yeah. You know, and right. I'm all about that. You know, look, I, you may think one way and I may think another. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make me a bad person. It just means we need to have a conversation to better understand each other, which makes us better people together, quite frankly. you know. Yeah. And so I think it's really important that we, that we reflect upon that, realize that, that the, the pillars like yourself that were out there that were building this laid this runway out that we all stand by here today. And I think there needs to be a moment of pause. A lot of these people don't appreciate that, that you are on a runway that was laid before you. Oh. with a lot of hard work. And you have no idea how hard that work was, but we need to appreciate the work that's at hand and support the work that's going forward to maintain that opening volley that was laid out there. Because we've got a long oh, way to go. Oh, long yeah, we, go. we've got we've we've got a lot of work to do. You know, Gary Hirschberg, uh, I'm going to get this quote wrong and it's so brilliant. I uh, But it's something like, you know, he, he started off with a, you know, uh, a, a really great business model with organic uh, dairy that became right. Stonyfield. Um, the only problem was he had no supply and no demand no. and, you know, fought through it and, uh, and look where the sector is, is today from leaders like, like him and, and like you. And, and, you know, to, to go back to the hour episode that, that is remembered, misremembered by, by people. And that was something I paid close attention to. I was very, we weren't involved in it. That was the NRDC that right. uh, was engaged in that, but all, some of my closest friends, uh, Janet Hathaway, Al Meyerhoff, may he rest in peace, um, that, that, you know, they were close friends and they were they were at the center of that. They made that fight happen. But people forget what that 60 Minutes episode was about. This was the acting administrator mm-hmm. of the Environmental Protection Agency, the number mm-hmm. one person going on camera and telling, I, I believe it was Ed Bradley, telling him mm-hmm. Alar couldn't come on to the market today. It's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's so carcinogenic. But because mm-hmm. it was brought on before we had this new set of criteria, it's hard for me to get it off. Yeah. Well, if you're a mom and you're hearing that from the top environmental regulator in the country, I wouldn't, I wouldn't support someone throwing out their apple juice, but pe- 
people did and they're not crazy for doing it. No, that was the whole thing. It's it's the fact that we haven't really caught up yet. And what's happened is we've worked a lot over the years on pesticide regulation at EWG, which mm -hmm. is kind of separate from organic because in organic, those toxic pesticides aren't allowed. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are pesticides used in organic, of course, but you look at the toxic profile of them at, and it's e EPA hardly even sets a tolerance for, for most of them. But there are lots of other pesticides. That's not the case. Right. For a long time, the main battlefront, the only battlefront really was fighting to get more stringent regulation of conventional agriculture. And that's still a fight. Mm -hmm. But now we've got something different. We've got an end run model called organic where people are inventing new ways to deal with pest control and right. other challenges. We wish it was working more broadly across the country and the places where it rains more and, and pest control is harder. And that's where another one of the many areas where we need investment for sure is helping yeah. farmers in those areas. But here it is, and it's huge. And people love it. It's consumer facing. Um, people who eat organic eat more produce. Um, and even if they don't eat an all organic diet, they, all of the studies show that if you're into organic food, you're, you're probably into more produce in your everyday life. Absolutely. So to me, it's, um, to me, all of these things converging now, it's a makes it a very exciting time. And I, I did not predict that I thought I would be, you know, just fighting the, you know, the, the, the standard environmental, I'm against this. I got to slow this down. I got to get right. this off the market fight forever. But now, you know, look at what's happening with, with alternative protein, right? It's really sure. disrupting the, you know, the, the animal uh, protein industry, but it's exciting. We're working on that too. So I, you know, I, I just feel like we're at a time where we've really tipped the scales and what we're, what we're fighting for is is a big focus now, not just what we're fighting against. It's, right. it's super exciting, man. I agree super with you 100. percent And and with that being said, and you lead me into kind of where I'd like to just kind of get a little more specific about what EWG is up to. You know, I mean, there there's so many things that you do that are important, and there's multiple reasons and categories that affect us every day. Um, but there's things I am sure that people probably don't realize or don't know um, what you guys are up to. That you guys are on the case, and so. I want to pick a couple of subjects if you don't mind and just whatever comes to whatever comes to your mind. I don't, you know, I don't, yeah. I just think it'd be really interesting for people at this point, especially where we just led them to hear a few of these things. So one of the issues I think would be important to, to bring up is was what are you guys doing with just water alone? As I have yeah. the nice water, have I have the nice water here behind me? It looks good to me from here. I think, uh, uh, we, and it's got the EW seal on it, EWG seal right on yeah, it. Yeah, right no. There. Well, what we do uh, is we need to pump this water into California a little bit. We could use a little, a touch. We can oh, use a touch of water man. out here. Oh man, I just I did a bike ride uh, the other day past a couple of our reservoirs, and it's it's really scary. It's scary. In, I'm in Northern California. Whoa. Yeah. Um, well, you know, with with water, we we started doing work on uh, drinking water contamination uh, first back in the in the 90s, and we we started getting data from water utilities uh, when they first began to be required to to test drinking water and publish the results. You know, if I were to summarize it, what I would say is, you know, this is this is a, a, a real crisis in our country, not mm -hmm. just supply, as we talked about here in California now with the drought and over the Western U.S. Uh, that's that's 
with climate change, that's going to be a, you know, a baseline drama for the rest of our lives and the next few generations. And, you know, until we can, you know, come up with some, some holistic solutions, but water quality is something we've really focused on. And, and to be honest, um, we, we started looking at contaminants, whether they were pesticides or heavy metals, um, you know, contaminants like these PFAS chemicals that are, you know, the Teflon family of chemicals, right. the Scotchgard family, uh, that's everywhere. And we, we had engineers and scientists build, start building a, a big database where we collected all the, the information on water testing that was reported by utilities. And we're about to release the next round of it. And if I were to summarize it, I would say, look, that you know, we've, we've kind of uh, been stuck on drinking water quality. We have a lot of contaminants in our water supply now that even, you know, government scientists officially and for the record say are at levels that uh, they can't say don't cause harm, uh, that they're they're worried about. For many of those contaminants, we have no legal limit. For others, we take a decade or more to develop a legal limit and when we do, it's often set at such a high level that there's a big gap between what's legal way up here right. and what's safe, which is right down, way down here. So we try and we, we publish the national tap water database. You can type in your zip code, find your, your water supply. If it's a community water system, we don't have well water. We don't have, that's, that's not, data is not available in the same way. And then we do two things. We tell you what the, what, uh, the, the government legal limit is, if there is one, we tell you the contamination level in your water that's been detected by water utilities following the EPA practices. And then we do this added step. And this is goes to a theme across our work now, whether it's pesticides in food or additives in food or tap water contaminants. I asked my scientists, tell, tell me what, if you were in charge and you could set the safe standard, where would it be? Give me the parts per billion. Right. Go to the independent science, go to the government science, give me your number. So we put that number out there. We don't say it's enforceable. We back it up with our scientific analysis and we represent that to federal agencies whenever we have a chance. But we think people have a right to know yeah. what an independent group of scientists, often with backing from others. I mean, PFAS is a great example. If you want yeah. to find out where PFAS contaminates drinking water, now you come to EWG. We've mapped all the all the utilities, all the contamination outbreaks around the country. And we said, look, we, ha we have a limit that's, you know, 0.1 parts per trillion. That's what we think is the safe limit. Why is it so low? Because this stuff is so dangerous. It yeah. shouldn't be in our, it should never have been there. Shouldn't, we shouldn't be irrigating with it. It shouldn't be poisoning dairy farms as it's done in a number of, you know, places around the country when it's dumped on land uh, in sludge or elsewhere. We, we, draw, we draw those lines. We try and tell people, here's our best estimate, our best judgment about what we think is safe. And here's what you should know about it. You're not obligated to do anything. And we hate to tell you the government's not doing its job in our, in our view, but we are going to tell you that. And, um, and let's have a debate about it. And, yeah. we, and we do. Increasingly, our debate goes to the peer-reviewed journals where we publish our results. Um, that's that's an evolution for us, Todd. We've we've got uh, a staff now that's able to publish, you know, uh, a fair number of those articles every year. We've invested in that. We think that's important. Not everyone reads the peer-reviewed articles, but 
but we feel like it's really important to go deeper into the science and 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 fight it out in the you know in that world. Sure. So in water, we're just saying, look, you have a right to know what's in it. You need to know that the federal drinking water program and many of the state programs just don't function very well anymore. No. If there's a if there's a problem that comes up, the agencies that are supposed to regulate are to a, a disturbing degree captured by the entities they're trying to regulate the water utilities. Sometimes right. that's a mayor who right. says, I don't want to spend money on a water treatment plant. Well, can't we get by with just a little bit of extra pollution in there? Sometimes a mixture of pollutants, almost always it's a mixture. It's not just one. That's how we regulate one at a time. But when you drink it, it can be five, six, eight things. So we're on the frontier of trying to really set independent health-based standards in the public interest. And we put them out there with a number and, right. and then we the, let the debate begin. But I've insisted that my folks do that. And they've risen to the challenge and said, yeah, well, you know, I got my PhD. I'll, you know, I'll go to toe to toe with, with anyone else and uh, right. in, in a reviewed process. Yeah. Well, you know, look, I, I think, I think something that maybe it's generational, in some ways, and I think it's changing now uh, even more, is I think people are realizing that the only person they can trust is themselves to be informed. They need to take the time to be educated because I think we grew up, I think, you know, our generation, I think we thought that everybody was doing the heavy lifting for us and it was all okay. And unfortunately, as we peel that onion back a little bit, hey, I used a produce joke. As we peel that onion back a little bit, you realize that that's not necessarily the case. I'm sure the folks in Flint probably understand that more than anybody today. Do they? And, ever? Yeah. And so I think that it's so important that we, we start to become a little bit more involved in our own lives and the choices that we make. You know, we walk in that kitchen, flip on that tap and take a drink of water. We just make assumptions. And I think that's dangerous, right? We don't live in an assumption world anymore. I think that will back us into a corner every time. That's right. And, you know, the people who come to our website, and I'll say a little bit about that, you know, we're, um, mm-hmm. and the, the dirty dozen, we'll, we'll get to that, I'm sure, is a, is, is a part of it, but fairly small part. We get about, about uh, 20, 25 million or so visits a year to our website, probably 125, 30 million page views. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are mostly people coming to us for consumer facing issues. They want to know yeah. about what's in their tap water. They want to know what's in their food. They they're, they're concerned about personal care products, which largely are unregulated. You can put almost anything in a personal care product um, unless it's going to be sort of have an acute response like an allergenic, you know, you get a right. rash, but carcinogens, endocrine disruptors and so forth. That's kind of still the wild west for personal care products. And you smear it on your skin, your largest organ. Um, I mean, in your case, it's the brain is the largest organ. But I think for most people, Todd, it's thank the you, skin. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, and so, and so what we're, what we're noticing is that people are coming direct, directly to us because, as you say, they're, they've got this, this sense that they can't outsource right. their health and their safety and, and the responsibility. And we get people who come to us who are Trump supporters who feel that way. I can't trust the government. And we get people coming to us who are AOC Bernie supporters who come to us or, or even more extreme. And they feel like we want to hear from this organization because they're going to lay out their conclusions. They're going to tell us what they based it on as best we can. And if we've fallen short, let us know. We know we have our critics, mostly in the conventional realm for all of these sectors. We, we go, you know, 
go back and forth with some of them if we feel like it's you know, a worthy, worthy exchange. And, and that's the dynamic we're seeing. You put your finger on it. People are now saying, I have, I have agency. This happened in the internet era. We all got lulled by a sense of the media being an important filter for right. many years, right? And, and there, were, there are so many great reporters out there, so many great articles, exposés, 60 Minute Hour was one of them uh, because it was the most, at the time, most dangerous carcinogen regulated by the, the pesticide program. And it, was, right. it did need to come off the market. But the media has also shrunk so much that so many of those beats, whether it's agriculture or whether it's environment, city hall, you know, tens of thousands of reporters are not working anymore in newsrooms right. because the newsrooms are shriveled and gone. The business right. model blew up under the, you know, the, the weight of, um, of Google AdWords and, and other, you know, uh, other social media, internet. all of it, all yeah. of it. Yeah. And so, so people are now seeing, well, I, I have a responsibility and also have the power to go out. I can get misinformation. Some people mm -hmm. think our, our work is misinformation. Just put that out there. Um, or I, and I can, I can sort through it myself. And I, in some ways, I wish we had more faith in governmental processes that, that, that wasn't so necessary, but look at vaccination. This is an, I mean, it's a, a, a hot, it's a hot topic. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But you know, people, people who are on their deathbed, um, you know, finally saying, well, maybe I should have got vaccinated, but I just did, I didn't work my way through the conversation to reach that conclusion soon mm -hmm. enough. And that's tragic. Um, for sure. and, and some people raise concerns about vaccines and there, there's some, you know, there's there, they need to be heard. They need to be listened to. In the end, I know where I come down, but that debate, that empowerment that's happened with the internet uh, is driving all kinds of sectors now, including organic. I mean, that's yeah. our dirty dozen guide, you know, four or 5,000 people a day come to our site. I haven't pulled up the data most recently, something like four or 5,000 people a day come and they, they look at or download the, that dirty dozen guide. And this is the guide we put together around produce. Right. Just, just to jump in. We, we look yeah. at the, we look at the USDA uh, pesticide data program, which was started in reaction to Alar. Mm -hmm. People should know that this is where the government thought, wait, we've lost control of this agenda. Mom doesn't trust us anymore. Even though we took Alar off the market, uh, and Uniroyal pulled it off even before the government could act. We, we as government, we want this control. We want, we want people to trust us. We want to control the narrative. Well, that was lost with LR. And now people are saying, well, why don't we put test data out there? Let's test foods the kids eat for pesticides and publicize it. So when that started happening, in the early to mid 1990s, when those data started being published, we looked at it and we thought, well, you know, we, we see pesticide levels on a lot of these produce items that, that we think are unsafe. Right. But, but we, we don't expect everybody to be able to get organic, but for some of these fruits and vegetables, be a smart choice if you can find it and afford it. If you wanna have produce in your diet, what are some choices where that same set of data show the pesticide levels are kind of low, right. clean 15. So right. we put that out there. It's, it's a, 
you know, we could have we could have developed it any number of ways. But here's the, the most important thing for people to know about it. We regulate pesticides one at a time. Right. In this country. Right. One at a time. And so people who are concerned about a mixture of pesticides, there's really very little science for that, ex except conventional defenders who will say, well, the risk is always zero. So zero plus zero plus zero is zero. Right. OK. But over the years, we've banned a lot of pesticides because they show up at low levels in food and they're gone. Propyrifos right. is on the cutting block now, right? It mm -hmm. was safe for 60 years and the government stood behind that. And then one day the government said, nope, gotta go. Yeah, oops, it's oops. not safe for kids. Well, right. was it? It was never safe for safe kids. Safe for kids, right. Yeah, well, it was never safe, but now it's all. So we put the shopper's guide out there and there are variations of it that others have come up with just to let people know, these are the fruits and vegetables that have the most pesticides. Should you stop eating fruits and vegetables? No, no. Even the ones that are on the dirty dozen list, it's better to eat those than to eat, you know, a package of chocolate chip chocolate cookies. Chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, 100% yeah, agree. Eat the produce, but we need to move this system along. And lo and behold, at first, the only mover was to tighten pesticide regulation and get some of these things off the market. And we worked at the forefront of that for many years and we still do at EWG. But along comes organic, never yeah. used it to begin with. If you've been eat eating organic produce for the past 60 years, you didn't have to worry about chlorpyrifos because it wasn't allowed in organic, even right. when it was in its you know state-based primitive form or just people right. didn't spray that stuff on on their food. So anyway, that's the, so, but that upset a lot of people in the produce industry. For sure. Um, it does. Not everyone, but it, 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 and we get it. We, we understand that. Uh, we wish more farm organizations would stand up and push for um, pesticide regulation. I can't think of a single example, Todd, where, and chlorpyrifos is a, is a perfect uh, situation. There were no farm groups that came forward, mainstream farm groups that said, you know, EPA is right. We should ban that. They all, every single time a pesticides and regulatory jeopardy, the farm industry says it's, it's not a problem right. every single time. Right. People should ask themselves about that. The organic industry sort of sidesteps those debates because they say, well, we don't use it. <laughs> we're, we're good. Right. We're all good. And right. so in between there, is where we find ourselves with our, our dirty dozen list. We're trying to right. tell people, you're not crazy to be concerned about pesticides and produce. We've banned dozens of pesticides and produce for exactly that reason. And who right. knows what we'll ban next year that EPA and industry is telling you is safe today, today September right. 24th. 2021. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the dirty dozen. Cause you know, we were going to, I mean, I, very candid and I want to talk about this because we need to, you know, yeah. I can remember, I can remember when the first one came out, right. I was sitting, I remember, you know, slinging hash in the office and I had stuff that was on that list in my cold storage. And of course, you know, I, like everybody, you, 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 you react based off the media narrative or whatever you, you know, whatever was presented to you to read, right. Is your reaction point. But then I took that moment of pause, which is what, you know, you, you taught me that is, is take that moment of pause and look deeper. And, and from that, I found my own narrative. And so here's a couple things that I took away from it that I think that I'd like to share back that, 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 that you yeah. shared, that you shared with me, but I think it's important for people to hear. Um, a lot of our food that we eat today has pesticide residue all over. 
you know, good pesticide, bad, pet, whatever you want to call it, you can, you know, whatever, whatever trail you want to go down. Um, and that's a little bit scary in some ways. And I'm just going to pick on one for a second. I, I just want to read this and I'll, I'm going to pick on Dacthol, right? Which is on, which is something you find on kale and collards and, and mustard greens. It's fairly commonly used, right? Yeah. But the EPA, and I just want to read exactly what this is. The EPA classifies, it's DCPA is its, is its name, but we'll call it, you know, Dacthol is what its trade name is, as a possible human carcinogen. Okay. What's interesting, two things. First off is that one, in 2009, right? This is 2021. In 2009, it was banned in the, in the European Union. It's out, right? So the question to me is, um, are they dumb or are they smarter than us? I'm pretty sure it's the latter, not the first one. So here it is in 2009. You have a bunch of countries, not one, a bunch of countries saying, this shit's bad, but yet it's still here, right? And so my second point is, and I think this is the, the thing that I, I hope resonates with people. It's a possible human carcinogen, possible, right? Possible to me means you're almost pregnant, right? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. You can't eat a French fry and drink a Diet Coke and get zero calories. And math doesn't work. The word possible to me is the most fake, ridiculous word associated with anything when it comes to, to pesticides, chemicals, water, food, I don't the energy, the word possible just sucks. It's such a cop out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's such a cop out. So when I looked at that list and that first came out and I took a step back from the list and, and to be clear, and I want to say this point blank, and I'll stop where I'm at on my pulpit. Nowhere ever is EWG or anybody that I know of in the produce business ever said, hey, stop eating produce. Nobody's against consumption. No. Right. So let's be clear on that. This isn't yeah. a consumption thing. This isn't a whatever. But you're right. It's made a lot of people unhappy, but it's making them unhappy because you're having a hard conversation about something that hurts people's pocketbooks. You've got growers that are backed into a corner. I get that. And I yeah, feel for that. Totally. But there has to be a moment of pause, no matter who you are, that you look at the word possible and go, huh, what's that word really mean associated with something like that? And then go in 2009, this was kicked out of however many countries in the EU at that time. Yeah. It's no, a little bit scary to me. And you know you can go you can go across the board with on on public health. Um, you know there's studies that are updated routinely. Um, I, I use the example because it's so a, a little bit far afield from what we do of speed limits. Right? Yeah, I think it's the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety comes out every few years with a study showing how many people are killed because we raised the speed limit in many places from 55 to 70. We just did it. Right, yeah. because people wanted to get there faster, yeah, and and it's tens of thousands of lives, <laughs> that, you know, as a result. That's a calculation. The same is true, you know. Um, uh, there, you know, a, a certain amount of fecal coliform is legal in in tap water. Just it's just a, the tiniest amount of shit <laughs> in your tap water. Yeah, and right, and it's the same with pesticides. And what we say to people is, look. Um, we don't think EPA is keeping up with the science on pesticides. We're very open with that, about mm -hmm. that. Um, we are ourselves struggling at, at EWG and we've, we've come forward with some models to try and look at uh, multiple exposures and combined risks from, from chemicals in drinking water. Our scientists have published in the literature. We're, we're exploring that frontier, but we, we regulate one at a time. And our view is that that we're, we're, 
we're looking at an agency that has not kept up in the United States with where they should be if they're constantly wanting to push the frontier of human health. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's a certain level of captivity and there are economic stakes and there's lobbying that goes on. And a lot of these chemicals stay on the market years past when they, when they should. Chlorpyrifos that, you know, the Biden administration just announced the, the phase out. You know, that's been around since Sputnik. And, and you know, uh, my former colleague Richard Wiles, he had this whole list of Sputnik era pesticides right. that were called modern agriculture. And, and yes, uh, uh, you know, and I'll just say it, I don't, I don't know if it, it, it probably won't make anyone feel any better. Is there, is there a tougher set or more dangerous set of occupational requirements, whether it's financial or physical, than ag than farming no maybe coal mining underground i don't know but it's right up there um the risks are insane the uh the amount of labor uh th that it takes for for the principal involved in most cases to get up something up and running and then however they evolve the the amount of management that's re on and on we're not disputing any of that but we're saying look um these essentially are defective products that you're using if they are ending up in drinking water or there's, right. they're ending up on food at the end of the day at levels that raise concerns. And people aren't crazy to say, you know what, I, I don't want just a little bit of shit in my drinking water. I don't want to I, I go fast enough where I've increased my ch chances of being killed. Death, right. My choice. Yes, of death for me and my family in our car. I don't want, I don't want strawberries or apples with just a little bit of a whole bunch of pesticides on them. I know you're telling me it's safe, conventional industry, and I know officially it's safe by, by EPA and state agency conclusions, at least it is for now. But don't tell me I'm crazy because there have been so many instances where you changed your mind, EPA. Right, right. You changed well, your mind, and so... I'm give me some options. And I yeah. think the produce industry has made such a mistake by trying to the conventional industry by trying to insist that people accept that a little bit of pesticide is okay instead of saying, you know what, organics the right direction. We need to be cranking this down. Right. We need to be looking for options for growing with less pesticide exposure for the workers and the farmers and the consumers. Right. Yeah. Instead of saying, you know what, a little bit won't harm you, and it's all government approved. Right. Well, back look, to your uh, point. Who thinks now? Who thinks now? Oh, the government approved it. Thank God. Right. Yeah, well, I hundred percent agree with that. But you know, one of the things that soapbox that I get on, and I try to say it as much as I possibly can, is driving a conversation around the positive cost of food. And we have dummied down our food to make it so. Uh, cheap. And I understand. I understand the math. I get the narrative behind it. We've worked so hard to make it so cheap. And we don't, I think we've got to stop and have that moment of pause of recognizing what cheap is actually costing us in actual dollars and cents, whether it's your health, whether it's the environment, whether it's the water, all of it. It's not a win proposition. It's what's proving not to be a winning proposition. And we're going to have to pivot back and recognize that labor is a positive cost of food. Transportation is a positive cost of food. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's got to be a part of the conversation. Pesticide use yeah. is a positive cost of food. You can't just say, you know, again, it goes back to what I said. It's, it's the French fries and the Diet Coke. There's not zero calories at the end of that. 
stop thinking that way because it's killing us and it's hurting our planet. And we're not going to be here uh, as long as we need to be on this planet if we don't stop making some of these changes. And something I want to say that I think is, is super important, too, and for clarity on, on the Dirty Dozen, is that you're using FDA and USDA data yeah. by this report. It's not like you got guys in a basement down there trying to come up with an argument. You're pulling data that other people yeah. are doing and doing the math. And then we also, you know, from time to time, we conduct our own sure. uh, surveys. We do our, we commission laboratories to do studies. That's such an important point. And, and, and just one other element on the food system, you know, it, it, are, are we not worried what's happening in rural America by the way these technologies are being used and the impact it's having on workers and communities? I mean, look at the Midwest, drive through the Midwest. I know you're, you're out there, you know, on a pretty routine basis. And, and uh, when, when travel was possible, I was too. And all these, these, these towns that are boarded up, um, you know, these farmhouses that are, are, are caving in because we've applied technologies in such a way that we didn't take care of keeping people on the land or keeping, right. you know, thinking about how rural communities can remain vibrant and vital and offer opportunities for subsequent generations. If it's all a drive to lower price and I'm with you, I, I get it. We've, we've talked, I've talked over the years to thousands of farmers. We're not people, EWG doesn't, you know, not only do we not cook up these things in the basement, we also don't just uh, come up with ideas without talking to people in the real world who are doing the work. And even sure. if we disagree, but you know, does it seem to you that things are going well with the, you know, the, the direction of, of rural America now and, yeah. and not that agriculture's at the fault of all of this, but the, if you keep adding technologies that eliminate, the ability to earn a living on the land for more and more people and get the farm operations bigger and bigger. I mean, they started big in California, but in the Midwest and other parts of the country, we really see this. You know, you have to ask yourself, is this the plan that will just keep um, yeah. raising crop yields and, and bigger equipment, bigger spray rigs uh, and all the rest till to, to we get to the point where you're a kid growing up, you, you, you know, when they're 12 years old, you look them in the eye and say, hey, there's a place for your brother here, but I don't have room for you because we need yeah. a farm of this big. And, and not only that, there's no town left. Yeah. So you got to go to St. Louis or you got to go to Kansas City or, or wherever. That's where your future is. Please come back and visit. I don't think these are inconsequential aspects of aspects. the discussion we should be having. Yeah, I, and I agree with you. And again, it goes back to what I said. It's the positive cost of food. We have to start to recognize the choices. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I think, too, one of the problems that I see is that we make so many choices for today and we don't think about the consequences for tomorrow. We're suffering from that right now. Sure. You know, and, 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 we've, and we've got to get our arms wrapped around it. I mean, it's so hard sometimes to get people to, to do that. And, I, and that's what I love about this platform and being able to bring people like yourselves on to have these in-depth conversations to try to just get, if you know, at the end of this, if one person out of the thousands of listen to this, if one person goes, oh shit, I better get on the website. I want to learn something today. Touchdown for the team, right? Because it only takes one. It only, you know, you were one when you started, and look what you've created today. You know, by taking a deeper dive and being a participant in that. So I thank you for getting into the weeds on the dirty dozen. I hope it clears the air and people 
get a little bit different appreciation for exactly what EWG's position is, because I think it's distorted in a lot of ways. And I think it's important that people hear exactly where this comes from, because it does come from the heart, right? It really truly yeah. does. So yeah. before I wrap up Dirty Dozen, I'm going to throw it out. And if you if you want, you can say, no, I'm done. I'm covered it. Is there anything else you want to say to any of the pushback from anybody on that list? Well, I mean, we, co we covered a lot. So, I mean, it's, you're good if you don't want to, but I want to make, I want to just make sure that before I move on and ask you about 5,000 more questions, I just want to make sure that we, we've come full circle on it and, and you're comfortable with where we're at. Well, yeah, I mean, um, you, you know, one of the things, one of the dynamics that we've been grateful for is the organized pushback against the Dirty Dozen is, is why it has gone from a thousand people a day to 5,000 people a day checking it out. It's the fight that gets people thinking, oh, well, you know, this is, this is newsworthy now. Um, what I do wonder about is, um, and you know, this is the, the, the exception here really is organic, but the rest of the produce industry has not done such a good job with its strategy to get people to eat more produce. What could possibly be wrong? Right. Um, whereas you look at organic and every year, you know, it's for, What's well, outpacing? There's no Skew doubt. After, it's double. It's double-digit growth across a lot of these uh, these skews, whereas conventional, not so much. Yeah. So what's you know, even from a business standpoint, you know, I, I I think if you look at the arguments, if if someone says, get people get awards for cutting back on pesticides in a farm setting, right? Right. They get they get a, an acknowledgement some, sometimes from a trade association sometimes from from that commodity group or whatever and 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 they'll get they'll be distinguished in that way. But if a mom in a grocery store cuts back on pesticides, that's irrational. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm just saying. I I, I think I think telling people that a little bit of pesticide is just fine is not a winning argument. But right. hey, I don't I don't sell conventional produce. If it's working for you, go yeah. for it. Well, look, I, look, as I said earlier, I think if, if somebody says it's possibly harmful, you all should take a moment of pause. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You should just take a moment and, of pause. And it's, it's the government saying. Right. It's just, hey, <laughs> it's, don't worry about it. It's it's all yeah. fine. You know, we're thinking it over. Yeah. And, I just, um, I, I, that shuck and jive needs to stop. Right. It, yeah. it's, because it's just not healthy. It's not going to get us to the finish line. It's not going to make. It's not going to solve these problems. We can't solve these planet's problems fast enough to, to fix them at this point. And we're going to have to keep chiseling away. And food and agriculture has got such a great impact because it, it touches everybody, right? Yeah. And it's such a, and, and, the, and the retailers out there today do such a great job of having an environment in the produce departments and the grocery store as a whole that can do yeah. so much positive messaging and can touch people so importantly. And to me, it's just like, we've got to stop worrying about being that penny less and start talking about why it's important to be a penny more. And that I think is how we win the day. Yeah. So thank, and, thank and you for your shift, con, shift consumption in that, in the direction of more fresh produce, more fresh food generally yeah. to the extent that we can. And um, to, to my, to my way of thinking, this is again where organic distinguishes itself. I mean, you see these double-digit numbers—not every year, but almost every year—in for the sector as a whole. And then look what's happened in some, you know, uh, in some produce uh, categories where, you know, it's strawberries yeah. always on the dirty dozen list. Um, and I've I've had strawberry growers tell me, "Yes, I hated 
seeing berries show up on your dirty dozen list year after year. I thought it was unfair. I'm switching to organic and it turns out I can do it and I, I can make money. Um, there's all kinds of dynamics there, right? That, that, that are, uh, that, that are worth paying attention to small growers feeling like if a big grower gets in the market's gone. I, you know, I, I, I hear about all of that and I get it, but the, but the point is it, it's not impossible to grow these, these crops with much less pesticide. And if we're really trying to do that, um, I think we're on the same page. Why would you want to tell people in, you know, except, uh, you know, except from a visceral reaction, mm -hmm. no one, no one wants to think you're doing something that's harming people. I get that. But, right. but, but the truth of the matter is farmers don't make pesticides. No. I don't make don't. iPhones. I make iPhone calls. And when Steve Jobs came out and said, <laughs> and said, the problem with this version of the iPhone, I can't remember which one it was. It was like the iPhone three or four. four. The problem is that the calls aren't working because you're holding it wrong. It's the consumer's fault. Remember that? Right. That yeah, lasted yeah, yeah. about three days. That lasted about three days. And then he said, no, you know what? We designed the antenna in a bad place. You're not crazy. You can hold it any way you want. Right. We made a defective product. And that's how I think of pesticides as they're still used now. These older chemicals, especially, or chemicals that we have reason to believe are problematic. Farmers should be going to the pesticide makers and say, do better. Yeah. I want a product. I, I want to be able to control pests without leaving a residue or without hurting my farm workers or without hurting my family back home or me. Yeah. Do better. It's a defective product. That's, no. that's our take on it. I uh, love don't it. Don't defend pesticides. Make them, make them better. Make these uh, big that, companies that make so much money. Fix yeah. it. Well yeah. said. Thank you. And thank you for getting really down and down and dirty with it. Yeah. And we did. <laughs> we I think are. it's going to be great. I, 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 I'm, I'm excited for people to hear you know, uh, above and beyond what they read, you know, in that, in that 350 words. Well, thanks um, for the, thanks for the, the chance to, uh, shit. Yeah. You kidding me? We need, it, to, man. we need to talk go about, it. I want to talk. Um, I, I want to ask another thing about what EW, EW you got a speech impediment. I want to talk a little bit about, um, energy and what you guys are doing in the energy sector a little bit. Cause I find this to be kind of interesting. If you wouldn't mind just sharing a little frame up. Of no, no, it's, yeah, no, this is this is uh, relatively new for us. We've worked on the edges of the energy debates, uh, you know, mostly pushing back at the polluting sources, whether it's coal fired power plants or, you know, we, we were very disturbed to see uh, so much backsliding on land use and conservation in the Midwest when the ethanol push came on. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not big fans of nuclear power. Uh, we feel like the waste problem uh, is such that, um, you know, I, we just don't think it makes sense to have a fuel that you burn and then you have to guard for 20,000 years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, but the real thing that changed here, and it's exactly analogous, uh, really the, the, the thinking that, um, that went, went uh, forward within EWG was when renewables became so uh, um, competitive, just like organics becoming more competitive and more commonplace, right? Right. right. When solar and, and wind and battery storage, uh, which now, you know, most of the expansion in our energy supply from year to year is in those categories now. It's not, it's not coal or natural gas or 
or, or nuclear or even or certainly not hydro, although I think some hydro can, can be environmentally responsible at this stage too, if we do it right. Um, certainly the older uh, structures that are in place, but we just, we just saw this and thought, you know, we've been against coal fire power plant pollution. We've been against natural gas emissions um, for a long time. Now we can be for something, which is solar uh, on rooftops and moving mm -hmm. forward with uh, decentralized uh, development of solar uh, and wind sources, local uh, grids, microgrids, they call them, battery right. and other forms of storage. It's just changing the game. And the just like conventional food and farming is has been worried for a long time about the encroachment of organic showing that the there's a different business model that doesn't have these problems same is happening with solar with the additional the additional factor that um in energy and we're focused mostly not on transportation now but on electricity production these are monopoly controlled sectors of the economy they have complete they have complete control over our lives. Uh, in most places, there's zero competition. Uh, they're regulated by largely captive public utility commissions. And these solar rooftop uh, and uh, business uh, expansions of, of solar energy is a real threat to them. Be yeah. be again, not because they're being regulated. It's not like we're in a position to say, now you... You need to be regulated out of existence. Now it's more like we don't need you. <laughs> you know, right. that's a big change. I can have strawberries that are organic. I don't need your, your conventional strawberries. Right. Well, I don't need your coal-fired or gas-fired power plant. We've got solar now. There are problems with it. You know, too many panels coming from China, not enough care for the recycling. It's not perfect. Right. They're no free lunch. Same with organic, right? They're Right. Pesticide use patterns in organic that worry me, um, but it's just worlds better than what it's displacing. And where growth of a really good thing by most measures is displacing older systems that have many problems, I think you're looking for an opportunity that EWG is interested in, certainly from right. an environmental or labor standpoint. And so that's what's going on with energy. We're fighting in California to preserve rooftop solar. We think the utilities are pushing too hard to slow down rooftop, you know, not just residential, but also business solar mm -hmm. uh, on factories and, and warehouses. We think we need to move more strongly in that direction. And if there's an impact on other uh, consumers of electricity, we should look at ways to get more of them involved. Low-income consumers pay a ton of their of their budget to utilities, and we don't Absolutely. want solar someplace to add to that. But we ought to have programs that get rooftop solar or community solar into those places so that they're benefiting from this revolution, which is changing everything. It has these utilities freaked out because. Yeah. They get paid for what they build. They put on your energy bill when they, if they want to uh, build a new gas-fired power plant in many states, they can, they can charge you for that while they're building it, even if they never turn it on. They get paid for those capital investments. We don't like that system anymore. We think it's, you know, last century and older. And so 
Solar's challenging that. That's this is this upstart right. thing that organic started right 15 years earlier, but now right. solar is displacing like crazy, and um, it's it's got it's got a, a big immune response from from the utility industry. Uh, in cosmetics, clean clean beauty, big right. immune response from from the convention some of the conventional uh, companies. We don't want that. It's bad. It's phony. It's exaggerated. Everything's fine. These dynamics, these debates are playing out. What's really different, though, is entrepreneurs are coming along and they're actually saying, hey, I got proof. I got a yeah. product in the marketplace. It's in your shopping cart. Yeah. And it's affordable and it does. It has none of these bad attributes and it's delicious. Or right. you can put a solar panel on your roof. Elon Musk or somebody else can put a solar panel on your roof and a battery by the side and an EV in your garage. And you're out of the you're out of the business largely of generating greenhouse gases. Right. I love it. No, that's that's uh, what's yeah. happening. That's that's right. different. That's not environmentalists in the lead saying stop. That's entrepreneurs in the lead saying that's a market. Yeah, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. It's I'm a positive make some change. Money. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm going to make some money. I'm going to hire people. I'm going to. When Amy's Kitchen, they told me one time. How many, this was years ago, and I was at a tour of their plant, and it was, everyone should go on a tour of Amy's plant in Santa Rosa or wherever, they have several other plants, but it's like going on to an organic, you know, uh, farm for a visit, but in their plant, people are cooking at scale, like 800 people are cooking at a time, right, yeah. and and they described to me, I think at that time, now it's I'm much more, like 35 million pounds of organic tomatoes, and I yeah. started thinking, that's a lot of jobs. Yeah. Right yeah. upstream yeah. and downstream. That's a lot of jobs. Selling it in Whole Foods, growing it all over uh, the country and, in, and, in, and abroad to bring in those, those. That's what's changing this dynamic in this debate now. That's the right. issue with Joe Manchin now. Coal is dead in West Virginia. And the longer he says we can't kill coal, when government's not doing it, it's the market that's doing it, the harder right. it gets for his people to make that transition. Right. The same is true with agriculture, the same is true with personal care products and cleaning products and all the rest. The longer that pushback, that defensive posture is there, uh, not against regulation, but against no. upstart entrepreneurs doing stuff like you did, Todd, right. in produce, you know, that's the problem. So well, that's, it, that's what's exciting now. Once again, it's 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 the we're suffering from some of the decisions that were just made for today and not for tomorrow. And those are bubbling yeah. up now. And capitalism, yeah. you know, capitalism, say what you want, like it, don't like it. It is what it is. I mean, there's, a, you know, as, as John Mackey put it, it's really important to be a conscious capitalist. And I think that's extremely important is that we that we lean into that kind of mindset as we move yeah. forward. But you're seeing it now. You're seeing it in solar. You're seeing it in water technology. You're seeing it a lot of other different things. You know, I, I've got a guy that that I've met and been chatting with that's working diligently on rainwater capture um, and trying oh, to work with yeah. that technology. It's fantastic. It's just it's it's very interesting to be a part of and, and and what they're working to try to do. But these are the things that we need to be thinking about. How do you guys determine what's important, right? Well, I mean, when you sit down, because they're you know, look, you got you guys could throw up a thousand things and start throwing darts and go, okay, this is Tuesday. So how do you you know how do you get that Big mind question. all together? This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by Vitalis Organic Seeds. Organic seed for organic food. 
Learn more about their commitment to organic seed production and R&D at usa.vitalisorganic.com. No, it's a, it's a very good question. Well, just, just to look in, um, in the agriculture space, for example, we look at emerging issues. Uh, we look at um, you know longstanding problems, and we see where we might intervene. Uh, and uh, you know, in pesticides, it was you know early on embracing organic and saying, "Hey, this is a solution set, and it's only going to grow." We you know we got lucky that it did grow. We didn't. We we like to think we made maybe helped a little bit with some of our our work, but we just we just wanted to intervene because we thought it was a solution set. Same with, you know, we, we pushed back against ethanol in the opposite mm-hmm. way. We just thought this is getting out of control. It's really not hiring more people in rural America and the Midwest. It's just chewing up a lot of conservation land and, and, uh, and, and ramping up production of something that, uh, to put in our SUVs. And is, does this make sense? Right. Uh, and, and then, you know, the, now one of our concerns is, you know, we're, we're worried about over enthusiastic embrace of carbon farming. We're, we're worried that there are too many expectations that current farming practices or slightly modified ones are gonna be these huge carbon sinks that we can compensate farmers for. Would that that were true? But what the, the danger there is there are industries out there thinking, we don't care if it's true or not, if we can get paper credit for carbon sequestration cheaper then we can cut back on our carbon emissions. Why wouldn't we do it? Let's set up a market to make that happen. Regenerative agriculture is another one that worries me um, just because I feel like there are claims being made with very little definition. There are some exceptions. Some of the regenerative organic work is really exciting, but it's still very small in terms of footprint footprint on the landscape and in public health. But some of the other claims that are being made by big companies, I, you know, I'm just mistrustful. I just feel like they're using a buzzword that people have latched onto. And that that's the kind of thing where we would intervene and say, Hey, wait a minute, shouldn't we define that a little bit more before we start bragging about it? And organics, you know, organics, really uh, the, the consumer facing uh, standard now, is it perfect? No, of course, it doesn't include labor, doesn't include water, doesn't include lots of other things that right. we need to think about as a society. But damn, it's so much better than conventional. So I look at the measurement that's done there and the, and the standards that are there and the, and the sacrifice and hard work that's behind that standard to bring organic food to consumers. I don't see that with regenerative. I see marketing. So these are examples of where we would intervene, uh, Todd, and we raise our voice. If we do a study, uh, maybe in the peer-reviewed literature, maybe we do an investigation, maybe we do a Freedom of Information Act request. We try and find data that would help us first understand. And then if there's an issue, publicize and expose what's, what's going on. So that's kind of the filter. In science on toxic chemicals, we started working on the Teflon chemical 20 plus years ago because we, we saw stories in the New York Times that we thought that that seems weird. Well, I would, why would a company like 3M take a 200 plus million dollar loss against their bottom line in one year just to, to give their customers a better choice? Well, right. that really wasn't what was going on. They were contaminating the living world with a chemical that never breaks down. And so we started working on that and we our, our scientists have now, you know, at the forefront of 
um, understanding and explaining just how bad this crisis of this chemistry is and it's affecting agriculture. For sure. So it was ripe. We, we saw an opportunity. We had uh, toxicologists who could, and engineers and database managers who could make a contribution and we jumped in. We can't do that on every public health issue. There's some we'd like to get to. We're not doing anything on microplastics that have, that has me freaked out. We don't work on it. We can't get to it. It's bandwidth right. and expertise. So we do try and we do try and pick the ones where we feel like we can make a, a distinctive contribution to the debate. I love it. Well, I, again, it, it's you put a thousand of them up there. There's a lot of things that need to be attacked and there's a lot of things that need to be talked about. And you're right. Microplastics scares the hell out of me. Um, right. It, it, you know, Showing it, up in, in cord blood. Yeah. And I wish I wish I had the stat in front of me and I'm sure I'm going to butcher it. We can everybody can fact check it on the Google machine. But I believe what is it? We have the equivalent of a, of a credit card worth of microplastics in our body every however many whatever the days. Oh, week, gosh, I don't even want to check. Oh, yeah. it's unbelievable. Now you sound like environmental working group. That's what it's like being me at a dinner party. Everyone's like, oh, can you sit next to Ken? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's what Jack, he's going to ruin same. my salmon. Yeah. Well, that's the exact same thing to Jackie for the for the Clean Label Projects. She said the same thing. It's like I go to a dinner party and just ruin it for everybody because I'm looking at the glass they're drinking out of going, hey, you know what's in that? But look, but but the thing is, is that we just people just don't know. And, and again, they expect people to do the heavy lifting for them. Everything's going to be fine. The sun's going to come up tomorrow and they just get into their lives. And I respect, I get it. But, you know, thank goodness we've got folks like you that are willing to sit there and say, hey, let me raise my hand and just say a couple things real quick on this subject. And you all figure it out for yourselves. Or you go a little deeper yeah. to give you that information. Yeah. And, and you know, we're, we're, it's our role. But, you know, we say we want to give people some some choices. I can't sit down in front of a or stand up in front of an audience and say all these pesticides, these PFAS chemicals, the pollution that comes from coal fired power plants. You know, you know what we need to do? You need to wait for the government to solve it for you. Right. Well, it's not going to happen. Well, can't do gonna, it. Well, look, yeah. anytime again, anything, you know, I, I've I just struggle with the word possibly right it may possibly be harmful it either is or it isn't kids you all can figure that out it is it's really it's it's really that simple in my opinion of an equation right there, there if there's a gray area then why don't you lean towards the side let's that says just, it's probably not yeah, let's just, yeah right yeah let's just move toward Agreed. the other way yeah tell me you know you. one of the things that i think is really exciting and i'd like for you to talk about because i think people need to know this is is your partnership with amazon and you've actually expanded a partnership yeah. now which i'd love for you to bring up um, and what you're doing with them and a little bit about um, your app and your verification system, because I think that this kind of dovetails to where we are. And again, it's just about educating and informing, and giving people an opportunity to, to, to uplift themselves and make choices. Yeah, well, you know, I, people may have come across EWG and not, not known it was us if they've gone to a website called Skin Deep and checked what's in their personal care products, their shampoo, right. their mascara, their, their lipstick, their body wash, what have you. We started that uh, 15 plus years ago, brilliant scientist named Jane Houlihan, succeeded by another brilliant scientist named Nika Leiba. And we just rated personal care product ingredients. We went to the open literature because they're mostly not regulated. You can pretty much put anything in under the Food, Drug and Cosmetics Act that applies the section of that that applies. It's only a few pages of law right now still that applies to cosmetics. And so and there, over the years, there have been, you know, examples of really bad things. Um, mm -hmm. Europe has been much more active with regulation of 
certainly with um, uh, chemicals that cause allergic responses, and some of those can be natural chemicals. In fact, most of them, most of them are citrus type stuff that make people itchy. But below that, there are concerns about carcinogenicity, endocrine disruption, you know, things that monkey with your hormones sure. uh, and so forth. These chemicals do that. So we, we put this database out um, and lo and behold, we thought we were going to put it out there so that we could shape policy. And we've been trying to do that. That's been slow going. Um, but consumers came to it and started shopping uh, for the green rated products. And right. if you look at our database, we're very open with all the things we don't know. And our, you know, we'd be the first to say our, our rating system has, has flaws because we don't have information about a lot of these chemical ingredients. And we certainly don't have uh, information that, you know, we, there, there's no testing done of completed products by the FDA to see right. if they cause harm. They might have right. 50 ingredients in them. That's all. It's just out there. It's just on the, it's on the shelf. You right, buy right. it. Um, and so, so as we were, as we were working in this industry and notice we're, we're, we get a thousand people an hour come to our skin deep website and another, almost a like amount come to our app, which we built that put skin deep, you know, mobile and on your phone. And we decided at one point, well, maybe, maybe we should take this a step further. And, and cause there were so many great companies out there that kept telling us, oh, we do, we do much more than, than get green on your, app, on your app and in your scoring system. Right. We're doing this and this and that, but we couldn't, we couldn't do that consistently until we decided, hey, why don't we start a, uh, a set of standard a certification program like organic, where you can say, okay, well, now we're, we'll in effect be in a business to business relationship with these companies they'll disclose much more information to us about their products and we'll evaluate them against our standard than we can do just looking at a label ingredient, right? Mm -hmm. So we started, we started EWG Verified. Uh, it's got about 2,000 products in it now from companies across the personal care product spectrum, you know, uh, big ones like uh, Procter & Gamble, um, maybe mid-sized ones like the, the Honest Company, mm -hmm. uh, Smaller brands, uh, you know, uh, like uh, oh, there's dozens of them. Juice Beauty, uh, sure, a whole range of beauty counter, amazing companies, amazing entrepreneurs that decided they were going to be the pioneers of clean beauty. And a lot of them now have the EWG verified mark on them. And and so, about two years ago, um, I got I got a call from someone I met when he was in a, a an environmental advocate um, and president of the Sierra Club, Adam Werbach, who's now with Amazon. And he's made right. his career since his uh, time as a student leader uh, and, and visionary at the Sierra Club. He's gone in the private sector uh, route in many, in, for most of his career, advising companies, trying to get them to clean, you know, clean up their acts. And now he's at Amazon and they've launched this amazing program. We're going to be, I, I interview him, uh, in late October at our annual CleanCon conference, and Adam's going to be on with me talking about this program. Amazon has a climate pledge-friendly program that select certifications are allowed into, and EWG is now one of them. So if you come across a, uh, a hair product that has uh, our logo, it'll pop up selectively in the, in the Amazon search. And it's been a boon to us. I mean, we feel like uh, we know there's lots of 
you know, rubs against Amazon and, you know, we, you know, they know it too. Um, and, and this is part of, I think, a good faith effort on their part to give their consumers more information about products than just price to your point. Yeah. Right. Right here. This, this is this health and safety consideration. We don't do this at Amazon, but we recognize EWG is a leader in the field. So they're in the Amazon store now. Likewise, uh, Walmart some years ago, and they just uh, reemphasized it with a press release just this week. Walmart recognizes EWG verified as one of the marks that meets their sustainability standard. Our marks not perfect. Like organic, we have things that are left out, like the packaging that the personal care product that we, you know, we right. put our seal on might be bad. We're not there yet. Um, we don't know about um, the, the, the workplace implications of where the chemicals were made. Uh, we don't have a certification that goes that deep. But we're adding ingredient certification. Uh, we're working on that now. So it won't just be final products, but companies that make ingredients for personal care products and cleaners. By the end of this year, we'll, we'll have some in the marketplace where they'll, they'll have the EWG seal and they can sell to formulators. We're trying to deepen our engagement with the supply chain. And what this all goes back to, Todd, really is, is the playing offense or, you know, focusing on, you know, the things we're for. Right. As much as what we're against. And to, to come in, it's a, it was taking a chance for us, um, you know, we're working with companies instead of just rating them. You know, we're, we're, we've been accused of pay to play. They pay a fee for the evaluation and to use our mark. Did we think about that? Yes, we thought about that. Um, we decided in the end that we had an obligation to, you know, to work with these companies and bring more good products to the marketplace. We didn't want to just be working, uh, you know, with, with consumers, we we had some felt some loyalty to the pioneer companies that were doing the right thing. We feel the same way as being members of OTA, and I'm a member sure. of you know of Organic Voices. I'm on the board of that uh, initiative, right? That that Gary's the chair of. So so yeah, that that's what we're you know we're stepping into this certification world because we feel like we're not oh, going to regulate cosmetics soon enough. Right. Well, you're evolving. I, I can't, and we're evolving. We're we're changing, and and we're I'm and you know we we feel like we're making mistakes. I'd rather take chances and make mistakes than hang back and say, "Hey, maybe someday we'll we'll get better laws on the books at the FDA." We're working on that. I got lobbyists out there working right now, and they're the best lobbyists in the environmental movement. But but they you know but they come back and say it's not happening this year, Ken. So what what would we do then? Well, right. we would say. Let's double down on EWG verified. Let's make sure our skin deep ratings are more robust. Let's get the word out. Um, let's work with beauty influencers. I'm not one of those. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I've got a face. You, now you well. could very well be I a beauty. Say, influencer. I, I'm a hand. I model see it. Todd, I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I'm a, but I'm a hand that's, model. Like this, that's a different world, but you know, they're, they have Courtney Kardashian came to Washington and lobbied for clean cosmetics. Yeah. And when she did that, she, you know, and she featured us on her show and um, we were very grateful that she decided to put her oar in the water and, and help advance the cause. Um, and, and, you know, some people disagree with, with that. I, I, I felt like she was genuine and sincere and uh, you know, I, who, who are we going to leave behind in this, in this effort? 
tell me, Todd, who well, are we supposed to agree. leave behind? Nobody yeah. should be yeah. left behind. I don't care, you know, how, what their cultural preferences are, their mores or their, or their, or their behaviors or their history. We are all in this shit show together and we have got some catching up to do. We've made a mess. Oh, 100% so agree. I don't want to leave anybody behind, um, recruiting anybody behind, no matter how they come to us. I, I want to work with them. Uh, I, and I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And somebody's, you know, somebody has to do something. Why not be you? Right. Yeah. People, yeah. everybody can wake up and say that every day. I can make a change. Why? You know, the change needs to be made, but why can't I do something? Right. And yeah, I think we yeah. have to embrace upon that. So I commend you for doing it. Something that's interesting about you guys that I, that I look at it and, and appreciate is your board of directors. I mean, yeah. you've got a very large board of directors and then, and, and we've sat on boards together, large boards. Yep. It is literally cat herding one-on-one in a lot of ways because you have diversified opinions, you have deep conversations. Sometimes you feel like you don't get anywhere, but the conversations ultimately always yeah. do. Can you talk a little bit about your board just, just as a frame up and why that diversity matters within the organization? Yeah, I mean, look, we've, we, have, um, we have entrepreneurs on our board who've been very successful in the business world, like Shazi Vizram, uh, who started you know, an organic baby food company that led the market, and then she right. sold that to Dan on, and now she's got a healthy nest coming along to, to do um, a whole range of baby care products. Uh, entrepreneur from the get-go, deeply committed, comes to Washington and lobbies. Michelle Pfeiffer, you know, the, the incredible icon from, you know, of, of Hollywood, mm -hmm. uh, who started a, a, a fragrance company, the hardest right. thing to do in personal care. She started Henry Rose, uh, and she came to EWG because as a mom, uh, you know, to her kids are grown now, but when she was a mom, she stumbled across EWG, started supporting us before we even knew it. Uh, with her husband, David Kelly, who's yeah. this um, amazing entrepreneur, uh, you know, it, it, when he's not making amazing television shows and winning uh, Emmys, he's he has a, uh, fish, farm. a, a fish farm, right? Yeah. That's, that's that's killing it. Um, yeah. in, shout, out, shout out to Reverence in beautiful, no in beautiful Idaho. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. Uh, Harvey Karp, uh, you know, the, the happiest baby on the block, uh, pediatrician, uh, who, you know, who's done so much for children's environmental health over the years, Mark Hyman, one of the leading practitioners of integrative medicine, uh, at the Cleveland clinic and elsewhere, uh, who sees the importance of looking at toxic chemicals and nutrition and focusing on healing the whole body, not just addressing your symptom. Right. Uh, leaders like that, uh, uh, you know, Rob Featherstone Hall, who, you know, worked for years, uh, you know, with, uh, with, uh, you know, the, the family that started Google and, and now is a, an incredible entrepreneur advising us on business. It's just been exciting to me. I feel like, um, and there are board members who will agree with this in the early part of EWG, I wasn't. I wasn't relying and, and getting the most out of my board. It's really an art. And you're good at it as a board chair. I've seen you at work. Um, <laughs> you've got a gift. Um, Thank you. It, it, it takes, it takes a, a special appreciation of people's volunteer time and what they can give and how you can make them feel good about putting their passion on the line. I'm still learning how to do it. But we have an amazing board of directors now yeah. uh, we're diversifying it geographically with regard to race and gender and in every other 
dynamic that matters. And um, it's just it's just been a joy to see this group of leaders come forward and uh, and and pitch in. Chris, Christine Gardner, who's been such a leader in our work in the marketplace, and yeah, uh, and Malkin brought Chicago with her. Um, just you know, they they've all got these incredible talents, and they're not on the staff. They're adding something different than Correct. that staff complement. They they often have staff like skills, but they're they're bringing in something that's way beyond what 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 we could do without them. For sure, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because I think that you know, based on what we've talked about, I think it's important for people to recognize that there's a very broad brushstroke of individuals behind EWG that are a part of these decisions, a part of these conversations and a part of this propelling you forward. So it's not to the point where it's not just wake up one day and go, oh, we're going to go tackle this. It's why, how, what's the end game? What can we do? What's the, you know, what's the benefit of this? And that's what I love about having a diversified board like that, because I would love to be a fly in the wall at one of those meetings. They have to be absolutely fantastic. dialogue. They, they are. I mean, I'll give you another example. David Baker, who took on Monsanto in Anniston, Alabama for the PCB pollution. He grew up in Anniston, went to New York, became a labor organizer. Monsanto's worst nightmare, because he moved back <laughs> and yeah. knew how to organize to, to his little town in Anniston, uh, known for the, you know, the, 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 the tragic civil rights events that happened during the 60s there. Uh, but, but also became known because Monsanto polluted the entire town but especially the primarily black community, not entirely, but primarily black community right down the hill from the PCB plant. Um, and David came back to town and saw people dying and yeah. saw polluted fish and polluted soil and all the rest. And by God, he was the leader that organized the uprising and the, the, the legal fight against Monsanto that brought a measure of justice to that town. And he comes into the East, EWG boardroom as this environmental justice giant and everyone's just waiting for him, you know, to tell his next story about what we need to take on. And my staff is thinking, wow. It's hard not to be motivated. Yeah. And we fought, we fought side by side with him in Anniston. Once, once I got to know him, went down there and he took me on a tour of all the abandoned neighborhoods uh, I thought, well, we're we're working here, and we're working with this guy. So it's that inspiration. It. Same thing I feel when I check in with you and other champions in the world of organic, my friend. It's the same Thank vibe. You. It's just, Thank let's, you. It's it's it, it. Let's let's make something happen. I love it. Let me I'll shift gears really quick and on a question. You know, you're an inspirational person. I've said it at the beginning of you know our time together, and I've I've said it to you before. Who inspires you? Oh man, that's a good, that's a good question. Well, I try you know, not to uh, suck at my questions. Yeah, that, 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 that is a very good question. Uh, you know, I, I think um, we have a saying around EWG that we're driven by facts, not emotion, but sometimes the facts really piss you off. Uh, <laughs> so I think, I think part of the, you know, part the, the set of facts that most upsets me is when people without a voice or who think they don't have agency or maybe don't have uh, agency or power uh, are, are being s- stepped on and taken advantage of. Right. Um, I, I, I'm inspired to understand where they're coming from and, 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 and what, 
what maybe EWG or I, I can do about it. In terms of people, uh, you know, uh, I, I got a, my partner in life, Deb Callahan, uh, ran the League of Conservation Voters, uh, you know, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the real pioneer women yeah. in the environmental movement. Every damn day, she's my number one counselor. Um, and, and so many others. I'm inspired by Gary Hirschberg in the organic world, by you, by Andy Berliner and all, all so many people who work for him, uh, including Amy. Um, you know, it just goes on and on. Civil rights leaders that I've come to know, Roger Wilkins, may he rest in peace, who taught me more than I'll, uh, than I'll ever be able to use about how to work uh, in this particular case on on behalf of black farmers behind the scenes, but for 20 plus years, Rob Ballot, the attorney who stood up to, uh, you know, to DuPont uh, pushing back in Parkersburg against the pollution right. caused there. So many heroes, grassroots love heroes. It. I don't know. I, I, I take strength from those people, it. from people who are, who are standing up or who are saying, how do I stand up? Help me. I love it. What can I do? I love it. Um, that's that's where it comes from. I love it. Yeah. Let's have some fun. Let's play a little. We 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 do something at the end of days as we wrap our time up, and we we do one we call uh, we do a little TLC trivia. You're playing for literally the the cash and prizes are unbelievable. What you're playing? I for. can only imagine. No, yeah. it's 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 yeah. No, yeah. it's it's literally nothing, but it's fun anyways. So here we go. I got a couple of rapid fire. What's a bucket list item for you? On October 2nd, I have to ride 84 miles and climb 8,600 feet. That's the next bucket list item on a, on a road bike with my buddy. I love it. Good luck. Have fun. Let me know how it works out for you. All yeah. right. Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, uh, Star Trek. Good answer. For sure. I yeah. I just like the mythology for me is is richer and more nuanced. And 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 I, I'm a big fan of, of – I like Star Wars. But if I had to rank the two – I get lost in Star Trek much more. Oh, well, there you go. All right, next one, dog or a cat? Oh, that's a tough one, and I have to keep my voice down because uh, we have two dogs in the house. But I'm torn. Uh, I fell in love with cats at a later age, but we have two dogs now, and so I'm I'm really a a dog guy. That's I'm kind the, of a that, dog guy. Well, that's just a, that's just. But I, I that's, that but is I'm, the correct I, answer. I'm drawn. I'm drawn. Well, who's your favorite band? Oh, wow. That's a really, that's a really good one. That's hard to pick um, one. Yeah, it, it, it is so hard. And, and uh, on my playlist, I got, oh, I got, you know, um, uh, Motown, Beatles, the whole thing. I think my, the, the artist, I'd, if I had to name one artist, um, it's, it's, it's also because she's a dear friend. Uh, it, it would be Bonnie Raitt. And I'll nice. tell you why. It's 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 not only the insanely distinctive and and gorgeous voice and the songwriting, but it's her commitment to uh, to supporting blues artists who got kicked to the curb yeah. by record labels and and ripped off. And her, I met her lobbying on Capitol Hill, uh, you know, uh, to 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 really bring some sanity to our support for nuclear energy and 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 really move toward toward cleaner renewables. Uh, but then I've gotten to know her, you know, uh, very well over the years. And as an artist, I mean, she's on my playlist. She helps me, she'll help me get up that 8,600 feet of altitude gain. 
Uh, and then I'll you know, text her afterward and with a picture and, and she'll tell me how young I look. So what's what? not to like about that artist? When, She's when? obviously her eyesight's a problem, but that's okay. It's all right. So is mine. I, I, hey, I think it's great. She's fantastic. Great, great uh, answer. You know, you have been, as I said before, and again, I'm fanboying up because just, I just, I love you, man. You're just, you're just, uh, just such a great, genuine soul. Um, you've been you. so generous. You've been so generous of your time today, hanging out with us. And I got one final question I want to throw at you. Um, a little, little scenario question. You're up at the pearly gates. Security comes to you and says, hey, Ken, you've done some amazing things. Um, you've made this planet a better place. You've changed folks' lives all for the better. We're going to send you back down and you got one wish allowing you to do one more thing. What's that wish? Oh, you know, I think, I think that's a, a, a pretty easy one. It's, it's that every child born in the world be able to live to its fullest, healthiest potential. Drop the mic folks. Drop the mic. Yeah. Ken yeah. Cook, Ken Cook, you are a saint. You are a saint. You really are. That's and I, not, but but that's okay. I'm I'm I, 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 I'm so I, gl glad to have this chance to visit with you, buddy. I'm so energized by our conversation. I am so excited for people to hear your voice and to to see just what an amazing heart and compassion you have, and what motivates you on a daily basis, and what motivates EWG. And I hope that the whatever's out there that people think. They know, I hope they take a moment to pause and recognize what they don't know about EWG and step up and be a part of the organization. And people can contribute, people can go online, they can be a part of this, they can make a change, they can drive positivity into our food supply, positivity into our energy, positivity into our water and onto this planet. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart, from everybody that's out there um, for being you and, and for uplifting and holding EWG up. I hope you will come back. I, had, uh, I could talk to you for another five hours and uh, I would love we've to done do that. that. <laughs> I, know shit. I know we have, but I would love for you to come back and to share and, and sure. to know that, that this platform is here and that, the, you know, and just thank you again, very, very much for being here. I really mean My that pleasure. And um, I would say if you want to tune into what we're up to, we have a conference called Clean Con. It's right. uh, on our website. It's uh, it's virtual. Of course, it's over three days in the end of October. And the theme of it is. Um, habits of environmental health. We're trying to make it easy for people to adopt behaviors, uh, whether it's purchasing or just how they live in various ways that advance their ability to protect their health and their family and their communities um, in ways that are not only doable, but how about this for a concept from an environmentalist? Make you feel good, oh, <laughs> right? There you go. I love it. How about that? That's not what we're always known for as environmentalists, but that's that's our vibe with this conference, and that's where we're headed as an organization. So Good. I hope thanks everybody for having gets me on. on, buddy. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. I appreciate it. This is what we're here for, man. Like I tell you, every time we end these shows, go inspire somebody. And if this show doesn't inspire you, I don't know how to do CPR in a lot of ways, but you all need some CPR and a little uh, Mountain Dew or something to get it going because I'm fired up, and uh, I'm excited to share this message with the world. So, my brother, thank you again from the bottom of my heart. Back at you. Pleasure to be here. We'll talk soon. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, we will. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Well, folks, I certainly hope you enjoyed that. 
You're not going to get a more open, honest, caring individual that is literally out trying to save the planet. And when, if you listen to the end, when I get the final question and his response is so powerful uh, and meant so much to me personally, um, especially having, you know, our own family history, our own family issues in our own, in our lives with, with cancer and things like that um, with multiple family members in my immediate family. And I got to tell you, making a change in this planet for the better is very important. I hope you all step up and I hope you all try to find something that you can do every day, uh, not only to inspire people that can make a positive change. So thank you for listening. Don't forget uh, rate review, subscribe to us, check us out on Instagram and all those fun places where young kids go. Uh, like what we're doing. It's so important to keep this message going. And the more you participate in pushing it out, the, the more people we're going to be able to reach on a global scale. Thank you to everybody around the globe now that's listening to us. Um, we're really, really uh, just so humbled by, by the love and the care that you're showing us for what we're doing. And we're going to keep going. We've got a lot of great guests coming. We're working really, really hard to build uh, content that's, that's meaningful. And uh, your participation and support is everything to us. So thank you so much for giving back to us. And we're going to keep rocking and rolling, trying to keep these conversations going. So remember, go inspire somebody. It's important. From the bottom of my heart, everybody here at Todd Versations, the whole team that's coming together now to make this all happen. Thank you very much. We love you deeply. Take care of each other. And uh, we'll see you soon with another killer episode. Thanks. <laughs>